Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen. It is fabulous. Everything is fantastic. I'm happy as, as can be. Yeah, I, I am pretty happy. <laughs> you are pretty happy. <laughs> For things that we probably don't want to get into, but... <laughs> But um, a lot of a lot of junk going down in the world. But right now, in this little bubble, I'm perfectly happy. There you go. Today we are going to be chatting about love lettering by Kate Claiborne in today's mini episode. But first, Mom, um, kind of in the spirit of what you just said, what is your least favorite thing and your most favorite thing about just kind of this shutdown and sheltering in place in general? My least favorite thing is not being able to see my kids and my granddaughter. That's my least favorite thing. Um, My son and daughter-in-law are quite sticklers about the whole thing, which I appreciate, and that's fine. And we have our little moments where we meet. They'll drive up, and then they'll stay in their car, and we'll visit from sidewalk to car, or we go to their house and visit that way. But I don't get to pick up my granddaughter. I don't get to hold her, and I don't get to love on her like I'd like to. Grandma Julie. Yes. She calls mom Grandma Julie, and it's pretty funny. Grandma Julie. It's Grandma Julie. (laughs) I love it. And then my dad is just Grandma Julie's grandpa. (laughs) Grandma Julie's grandpa. (laughs) Well, because my husband's name and her father's name are very similar. Yes. And so my granddaughter has a hard time telling them apart. Um, Anyway... My least favorite, or my most favorite thing, that's my least favorite thing. My most favorite thing would be just having some downtime to read. And and um, if I can get my husband to go fishing, I've got like a day home alone with no one wanting anything from me. And it's, I, I can't go out and do anything. You know, there's so many times that People want me for things. <laughs> yes. And now you can say, tough luck. We're, we're on <laughs> lockdown. Like, I can't make it. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, just no demands on on me and my time. Yeah. Um, my least favorite thing, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll say I'm bummed that, like, KissCon got delayed. Yeah. You know, you don't get to come out. Um, and then... My boyfriend hasn't been able to come out or me go see him likewise. And so that all sucks. Um, and I, I, you know, as someone who does live alone, I am starting to feel like the cooped up effects, I, I would say. <laughs> Very isolated, um, huh? Yeah. And then, but my favorite thing is, yeah, kind of just like you said, there's just a lot of downtime and um, I've kind of been able to pick up some crafts and things like that. And um, and so that's been, been fun. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'll go with as well. <clears throat> but, you know, I will be happy when it's done still. Um, okay. Today we are talking about Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne. This is a standalone book that came out just this past uh, New Year's Eve. So it's only been out for four months, I guess. Um, okay. 
Here's the back cover description. <laughs> we just we just should just assume. Just to, talking just about the, it's going to be the back cover. Talking and then when about it's not, all the we'll down. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah, there you go. Um, talking about all the downtime I have. Uh, here's the back <laughs> cover description. Um, Meg Mackworth's hand lettering skill has made her famous as the planner of Park Slope, designing beautiful custom journals for New York City's elite. She has another skill too, reading signs that other people miss, like the time she sat across from Reed Sutherland and his gorgeous fiance and knew their upcoming marriage was doomed to fail. Weaving a secret word into their wedding program was a little unprofessional, but she was sure no one else would spot it. She had a hadn't counted on sharp-eyed, pattern-obsessed Reed. A year later, Reed has tracked Meg down to find out, before he leaves New York for good, how she knew that his meticulously planned future was about to implode. But with a looming deadline, a fractured friendship, and a bad case of creative block, Meg doesn't have time for Reed's questions, unless he can help her find her missing inspiration as they gradually open up to each other about their lives, work, and regrets. Both try to ignore the fact that their unlikely connection is growing deeper, but the signs are there, irresistible, indisputable, urging Meg to heed the messages Reed is sending her before it's too late. Um, Mom, what did you think of love lettering? Ellen... I think this might be a love for me. I love this book. Yeah, I think I loved love lettering. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, it was, it's been a long time, I think, since we've read just such a sweet contemporary story that yeah. was, I was telling Ellen before, I said, I love this trope of, I don't even know if you can call him a grumpy hero. He was more of a just stoic, reserved, reserved, stick up his butt kind of guy. And then, um, and as you get to know more about him, you, you get to know why. But um, but with the perky little, you know, artsy, fun, loving, you know, girl. Who's a little bit more of a mess, let's be honest. But Right, right. Especially as we get, you know, to know her more. But um, yeah. I just, I thought this was a delightful book. Yeah. I, yeah, I I think I'll give this one a love. I didn't think it was possible to make me romantic about signs and fonts, but she done did that, um, which is impressive. Like I was saying before to you, um, this book would have not meant much to me if I hadn't ever known, like, word existed, if I hadn't Sans serif and Helvetica. Spent years working on, on words so that you know what the names of all these different fonts were and what they kind of what they look like well and it is pretty impressive that she's i mean even the ones that are not fonts that we're more familiar with she's still able to kind of explain i don't know these these hand-painted lettering you know signs well and and some of them they did have examples of in the book within the story but i'm not sure they transferred very well over into the kindle version so i'm not sure we were always getting what they have in the print version um because I'm not sure that that translated great, but also um, interesting one for audiobook because some yeah, of it, it is hard to do visual. On yeah, it's very visual. When yeah. she kept talking about the loopy L around her heart, yeah. I mean, if on the audiobook, you wouldn't really know what that. Yeah, or at least anyway. you wouldn't get that same experience as yeah. seeing the loopy L, um, and. The writing in this book is beautiful for a book that is about beautiful writing. Yeah. It looks <laughs> like physical writing, but 
Um, I thought, yeah, the way she's able to kind of capture the, these these fonts and lettering and and then also just ex- describe how everybody's feeling and kind of New York in a yeah, very the romantic way. around New York and their their explorations around New York and and uh, you know all of it. Her interactions with her friends, so many fun side characters and mm-hmm. um, the banter. They had some real funny lines and uh, <laughs> I think one of my favorite lines that I LOL'd was when she's like, "Is this witness protection?" He's like, "Yes." This hotel is witness protection. <laughs> this is where we keep all the witness protection <laughs> Yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, okay, Mom, what did you think of Meg as our heroine? I loved Meg. And I, she, I, want, I don't want to say because we've had heroines that bothered me way more than she did. But she kind of would do things that would kind of make you go, ah. But then as you got to know more about her and her story yeah. and, um, you know, then you understood more why. And then I even was like, wow, she's really handling this well, you know, considering everything she's been through. Um, Are you going to, are we going to talk about the conflict in separate questions? Okay. Later. Because I have stuff to say there too. Okay. Um, Yeah. I, I also um, grew to love Meg. If I have a quibble with this book, it would be that I think, and I get why she does it, but I think withholding some of the information on what exactly is going on with Sibby, what exactly went down with her family, all of that stuff kind of kept me slightly distant from Meg in the beginning because I didn't know what was going on exactly. And um, and like I said, I think that's intentional, but I think I had a hard time connecting to her at first because I didn't get exactly what was going on on with her um but I really grew to love her and yeah like you said I think as you do get to know her you kind of recognize her strength in handling the situations the way that she does um you know which if we have if we do have a quibble most of the time it's that we're annoyed with how (laughs) people handle the situations but I I mean she makes mistakes but I wasn't ever pissed off at her with any way that she was handling right. anything. Um, and we're going to talk about all the different kind of things that she handles. But um, I relate to her problem of feeling weird about saying um all the time <laughs> in her social media videos as someone who records themselves and then has to edit and listen to it. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and the, the, um, the one your dad does is, you know, he says, you know all the time and I have to just look at him and say stop it I do um (laughs) and I like or uh and I do um like a lot I know that and when we first started doing the podcast I would edit out like every single one but I got to the point where I'm like whatever (laughs) (laughs) see when I go back and listen I always cringe at my laughing my little (laughs) you know I'm like (laughs) I don't That's what makes me cringe when I go back and listen. Yeah, we've all got our thing. Um, But the other thing I really liked about her, I wrote down this line. um, Reed is kind of like trying to insert some business advice in on her. And she's like, I'm not some manic pixie dream girl who needs your stabilizing influence. And I appreciate that 
you know, she came to New York. She created her own business, you know, as an artist, which is not an easy thing to do in New York. Um, And I don't know that she was just like, I'm taking care of business. Like, I don't need you. But even that that scene, as you get to know the characters more, you begin to realize he really cares about her and he's worried about her and that's his way of showing his concern because that's what he knows you know he just has to go to something he knows and he's like i just want to make sure do you have health insurance are you (laughs) it's not like he's putting her down for for owning her own business he just is worried about her and and he's trying to look out for her the way he knows how to and i do like that you know she kind of blows up at him when he does that but then when she like meets his parents and his dad kind of starts doing that she kind of just like (laughs) Rolls her eyes and is like, well, this is where he gets this it. Is and where it comes from. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really respected that about her. And, you know, I've never read a book about, like, a calligraphist or I don't yes. know what her official title would be, but... I know we've talked about before, you know, jobs that we always see in romance novels. And, you know, every now and then they throw one in there, you're like, wow. I never would have thought that I would ever read a book about that, you know. And, yeah. and um, well, it's such a huge component. This is one component. of those where I'm like, wow, I never thought I would ever read a book about a calligraphist. Yeah, and it's <laughs> well, such she's a... an artist, but it was just yeah. her specialty was calligraphy. Yeah, um, and because it's such an integral part of the story as well, it was interesting, and yeah. Um, and yeah, I really, I really dug that as a component of this book that it was giving us something I had never dealt with before, which is not easy to say, you know, when you're reading a lot of romance novels. (laughs) Um, Okay, mom, what did you think of Reed as our hero? I, I loved Reed. It was, you have to say it. Swoonch. 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 Yeah. I think I highlighted that even the first time it showed up. I was like, because it was like her, Whenever he would look at her and smile, she would just go, ah, swoosh. <laughs> There's his swoosh. <laughs> and um, he was obviously someone that it took a while to warm up to. He was really kind of a dick at the beginning of the story. But um, then as you get to know more about, because when he first comes, I don't know how much we're going to talk about stuff at the end, but... We're going to, but we're going to give a little spoiler alert before we start getting a lot into it. So don't okay. reveal too much right now. Okay, because there's stuff that he does that at the beginning I was thinking, okay, they're just, this is kind of weird, but they're doing it, you know, to promote the story. But then as you get to know more about the story, I was like, oh, I see why he was uh-huh. so anxious to approach her about the wedding um, yeah. program, because I was like, that's just a weird thing to, even if you did see that, would you really go to her with that? But um, then as the story plays know. out. It, I kind of, I out. kind of bought into that a little bit, just like. Well, I did a little bit, but it just, see, it did seem a little, that's a little weird. It, you know, but then as you find it, it played into more of the story than just the wedding. I. Yeah. And I think, and I, I think I bought into it because he is such like an analytical brain that he's right. like, I need to have a reason for everything happening. And so I need to know how you knew that this was a mistake, you know? Right. And um, so I bought into that. Um, I loved his like st- 
stoic, stern masterpiece theater self and how she was always, you know, she talks about how her fantasies of him are alas, cravats and pistols at dawn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, um, I do want to point out, I did love a story about a guy with stress arises. <laughs> yes. I, when mom and I were talking, cause mom and I talked last night and she was about halfway through or so. And I was like, Mom, do you love having like a hero that has stress psoriasis? Because well, when if- I was when my husband was away during the war, I broke out with psoriasis really bad. I mean, I've always had psoriasis on my scalp, but you know that's controllable with the right shampoos. But um, when he was away, I don't even know if it was during a war or what. But he was away, and I was home with young children by myself, probably during winter, as it <laughs> yeah, was always in the middle of Maine, which is yeah. terrible. And uh, I broke out with psoriasis on my stomach, on my back. I just was a mess. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor told me, he said, it's because of stress. It's flaring up because of stress. And I was like, I've never had this before. And he said, well, you need to be out in the sun. I said, well, I'm in Maine in January. So <laughs> exactly. In northern, me, northern, northern Maine. Northern, northern Maine, like southern Canada, Maine. Uh, tell me exactly how, that, how you do that. And so I ended up going to a tanning salon for um, a little while, and it cleared it right up. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't going there to tan tan. I just did short amounts of time to clear up my psoriasis. Yeah. But, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, mom's going to like this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and uh, I really, you know, because he is this mathematician, statistician, data analysis guy and um so i appreciated that you know he's maybe like slightly a touch on the spectrum and that maybe he's not always super socially aware and his very like honest direct approach to you know everything i think makes him seem dickish in the beginning but actually like I grew to really love it as a romance right. hero who's <laughs> well, just like the whole melding of her letter brain and his number brain and you know that they come together i thought it was really kind of a sweet component of the whole story yeah and just how much you know especially with when we find out everything that he's been going through that this she was just kind of his little solace in the wild you know of and that he just kind of loved traipsing around the city with her and watching her work and seeing her brain work, you know, so differently than his. And, um, yeah, I, I really, I loved him, but I think I loved them as a package deal even more, you know? Right. Yeah, I do. I do know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay. I really thought that this book did a great job of hitting on emotions and like aspects of the quote unquote human experience and the romance experience that don't get hit on a lot. Um, so what did you think? The one that really stood out to me is what did you think about the element of fighting in this book? Cause I loved the way they deal. explain fighting and she explains how she's always been non-confrontational because she grew up in a home where her parents were almost always fighting and passive aggressively like yes. fighting and which she was worse. just always trying to keep things smooth and even keeled so she just grew up always trying to you know avoid confrontation and mm-hmm. had all these ways of avoiding confrontation but it was keeping her from moving forward in her relationships and and 
Lachelle, what was her name? Lachelle? Lachelle, I think is how you would say it. She um, explains to her, she says, no, fighting's a part of a good relationship. So I wrote down this quote. It says, sometimes fighting isn't about leaving. It's about staying. It takes practice to get it right. And it's painful. But if you want to stay with people, you do it. And um, I, I really appreciated that getting kind of like spelled out in a romance novel. Yeah. And, you know, when they're talking about it, they're not only talking about it between her and Reed. They're talking about it between her and her parents, her and her friend Sibby, and how it's important to, like, put your emotions and, you know, feelings out there for the people that are close to you because you need to do that in order to, like, stick it out. Right. And even with Lark, you know, it was like, no, yeah. I can't sit back and watch her be treated this way, you know. I Anyway, yeah. So the whole thing. And with Lark, like, she apologizes, but she doesn't step back, really, from what she said. Right. And she's like, I acknowledge that I shouldn't, that was out of place, and, you know, that I should have handled that differently. And so that's what... But your what, husband is a bit of a dick, so... But, he, <laughs> but I'm not going to step back from that. Um, and I... Um, yeah, and so, like, we were talking earlier about Meg and her character, um... Yeah, she kind of comes into her own on this fighting thing and recognizing that she needs to do that in these relationships. Um, that's where I started to like, yeah, go girl. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and really respect her and love her as a character. Um, anything else to say about that before I move on? Uh, no, but I thought it was a great um, tool to use in the story. Yeah. And it was presented really well, so. Well, especially for her character growth. Like, I think that was a big component was that she needed to recognize about herself that she tends to gloss over things when you can't always do that. Well, I think we tend to, you know, think, oh, she's a sweet heroine. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want confrontation. She's, she's doing what she should do. And, um... You know, but she realized, and it's not like you would walk up to a stranger on the street. It's not that kind of confrontational. Yeah. But within your your relationships, your close relationships, you can't just sit back and let people just, you know. Well, even even like the argument that she gets in at the park with Reed, like that's not even the confrontation that she wants. She wants a confrontation where she says, this is how I'm feeling. This is how you're making me feel. Let's work it out kind of thing, which is what they eventually do. Um, but yeah, I, I had something else that, well, and even her confrontation with Sibby when it comes around, um, you know, and she, and then Sibby says something that's very hurtful Mm -hmm. and she realizes, okay, we need to stop this now and then we'll come back and revisit it when, you know, we're both in a better place. And I think that's part of, you know, confrontation too, is realizing that sometimes, you know, you need to cool Well, and I, I think especially it's important to talk about fighting and not just glossing over and being apologetic all the time for a book about women for women, right? Right, right. I think that we are especially prone to just, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, of course, we'll do things however you want. And, um, and so I really... I really appreciated that kind of being talked about in this book in such a prominent way. Right. 
I mean, you know, after 36 years of marriage, my husband and I have it down pretty good. He just realizes I'm always right, and I agree with him. <laughs> and that, that those are our confrontations. Yeah, that's exactly and I, and then I have to down. point out when he's being a jackass. So those <laughs> things, <laughs> we've got our fighting down. We know yeah, what we're doing. <laughs> totally. Um, okay, another thing that it talks about in a romance book is what did you think about what it had to say about kind of friendship and all its forms and kind of the the friendship conflict between her and, and Sibby, I would say, is the most prominent one. Yeah, or her and Lark. But Lark yeah. is just kind of her friend. I mean, they Lark, get over Lark that Lark one pretty is, quick. Yeah, they though. get over that one pretty quick. Um, the one with her and Sibby is a little tougher. And I think that, well, really, there's a lot of different forms of friendship in this book, you know, Mm because her friendship with the gals that she works with. Well, and I love that she she kind of learns another part of her journey is she learns that there's a lot, you know, she's kind of, she seeks Reed out because she's like, I I want a friend. I don't have any friends right now. Right. I don't have anybody I can just turn to. Her and Sibby were having problems, and Sibby had been her only friend for a long time, that she felt was her only close friend for a long time. But she kind of discovers that she's got more, and she has the capability to find, to make more, like Lark and things like that. But, you know, if you got this tall drink of water coming in and and wanting, you know. Yeah, you want to be his friend, too. You want to, I want to be your friend. (laughs) (laughs) And when I say friend, we have sex. (laughs) Friends in the nighttime. Um, But, yeah, so her and Sibby. Um. I, well, I figured it was going to be something like that. It was obviously Sibby was, there was something going on with Sibby. And, mm-hmm. you know, as it turns out, Sibby was jealous of, like, they'd come to New York. In fact, Meg didn't even want to come to New York. She just ended she, up like, coming. And she kind of followed Sibby, Sibby out to yeah, New York. Yeah, because, but Sibby was like, ah, from the time she was very young, she wanted to go to New York. She wanted to become an actress. She wanted to be on know, Broadway. Be on Broadway. And she'd taken singing lessons and dancing and da-da-da-da. And, um... That was just going to be her life. And so they came to New York. Meg didn't even want to come. Her parents broke up. And so she came to New York because she didn't have anywhere else to go. And she ended up becoming pretty famous for her art and and what she was doing with it. And um, Sibby was jealous of the fact that Sibby's career hadn't ever even taken off. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sibby was nannying because she couldn't get any kind of acting going. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Meg's career had kind of taken off and she was becoming popular and you know they were writing up articles about her and and you know she was all the buzz for what mm-hmm. she did and um and Sibby was having a hard time dealing with that and yeah. and I th- I found that to be I mean I don't I have not encountered this in my own friendships but I found that to be a really authentic thing that would happen between two girls that you know were friends in high school and kind of you know grow up into um into what they did and and I I thought the I I found the turmoil between them to be authentic and um and real and I appreciated and I really love the moment where um when shit starts to hit the fan for Meg towards the end and Sibby comes in, you know, 
guns blazing and wants to take over taking care of her. Yeah, and and they kind of have that realization, like, is this the only way we can be friends is when I'm a mess, you take (laughs) care of me kind of thing? And and she said, maybe. And then they kind of... Let's figure that out later. She says, right now, let's take care of you. Yeah, and and let's figure out how to be friends where I'm not, you know, cleaning your life up kind of thing. And I... I appreciated that moment too. And um, yeah, I just, I found, I found the different components that it explored of friendship between women and things like that to also be really refreshing, much like I did with the fighting and things like that. Right. Um, okay. So let's talk about the conflict and the resolution. So we're going to get into some spoilery stuff. So I, I mean, I, I think you're getting that we both, recommend it so if you haven't read it and you're listening to this maybe skip over this part um or go read it and then come back and finish yeah there you go um okay mom first of all did you see it coming I the answer it, is no because i talked to you yesterday and you did not see it <laughs> oh coming. yeah yeah that, yeah well yeah well i knew he was going to end up leaving his job i no, i didn't see it coming um when he started working really hard and really long hours, then I started thinking, this project that he's working on, there's something odd about it. Mm-hmm. But no, I didn't necessarily see what was coming. Well, she handles it very, because I did not see it. I did not, like, I right. was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> like, we're doing this now. Okay, interesting. Um, but she handles it really deftly because she times this run-in with Avery right right around where he starts getting these long work hours and pulling away you know emotionally now it's a romance book so I figured something had to be going on but um it is I mean that's all handled very well writing wise um but no I did not see the whole whistle whistleblower you know (laughs) thing coming let me tell you what i really really i think appreciated the most about this book and that is meg in this because we've read so many books where people just lose their whatever and you know i in my head i'm thinking really you loved the guy and this is the way you're going to react you thought he was the you know world spun around him a second ago and now Mm -hmm. you're all pissed off at him because xyz happened and you haven't even let him explain well in this case he couldn't explain the fbi took him away and sequestered him and he couldn't get to a phone and he couldn't explain anything to her so Mm -hmm. she's there with her thoughts like they'd run into avery and she was like intrigued by the way he reacted when he saw avery and it kind of bothered her a little bit but but then when everything hit the fan and he couldn't explain anything and she was left with those thoughts but with the doubts and then also the media capitalizing on that by on putting that well, more right. into Pouring her more. brain. But this is her. So she goes for this walk because she just needs to clear her head. And her thought process is, oh, you know, at first she's doubting. She's like, the, the look on Avery's face, look on his face when he saw Avery. Does this mean that he still has feelings for her yet? And then as she's walking around New York, she's thinking, wait a minute. But this and this and this, I know these things about him. And I know he wouldn't do that. So let me read you this quote that I wrote down of he sends her this 
long, lovely letter kind right. of trying to explain his side of things. And he basically says, you know, I, I know you're confused and I know that there are things we need to talk about. This is me trying to explain my side of things as much as I can. And he also kind of tells her where he is in code, which was cute. And so they're talking and he's, you know, they meet up and he's apologizing profusely. And she says, you're fine. And then this is the quote that I wrote down. She says, I, I didn't know what to think at first. I admit, I guess, I guess I felt some doubt about what you told me about you and Avery. And she says, I know you, I know your heart. You were under so much stress and maybe you made some mistakes, but I know you didn't mean for this to happen. I believe you. And granted that's after she's had this letter, but yeah, like you're saying, she had that moment of kind of clarity. And also she wants to be talking to him this whole time it's happening. She right. doesn't shut down and like turn off her phone. She's still always checking her phone amidst all this, you know, media scrutiny that she's also getting to see if he's tried, he's tried to call her because she knows that they need to talk about what is happening. Right. And so when mom was halfway through and I had finished, I was, she, she made some comment about like, well, I'm, you know, a conflict. I'm interested how the conflict's going to go. And I'm like, I think you will be pleasantly surprised, actually, with the conflict. I really liked the fact, because I think we all have those moments of doubt in our, you know, in our relationships yeah. and in our lives where we're like, what does he mean by that? But then, you know, immediate, almost immediately, she's just like, wait a minute. We had all this time together. He's done all these things. I've seen this side of him, and I know this is the kind of person he is. I know he wouldn't do that to me. Yeah. And so, and I was like, thank you. Thank you, romance writers <laughs> who, yeah. do, who pull this off. Because the other way around drives me nuts when they're like, oh, I was so in love with him, but now he did this one little thing, and now I'm pissed off, and now I hate him, and now, you know, I'm going to turn off my phone. So if it was going to be that kind of conflict, I would have been disappointed. But mm -hmm. I thought everything was handled so well and believably and... I was very happy about the way it all and came out. She had every right in this situation to turn off her phone, but she yeah. did not commit our cardinal sin of turning off her phone. <laughs> she had um, it on and all this other garbage was coming in on her phone and she's just <laughs> sifting through it all trying to find if he's tried to even contact her at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. As soon as I read that like whole resolution and stuff, I'm like, mom's going to like this. I, kn <laughs> I know it. Um, yeah. I just thought it was... I mean, so it was surprising because I didn't see it coming. And I just thought it was handled very deftly and um, by Kate Claiborne, but also by Megan Reed. And um, and yeah, I, I loved everything about... Because when we get pissed off with how people handle conflict, I don't care if they, if they show doubt. Like, that is natural right. and human. It's just the whole shut it down that like pisses us off usually right and I just so i don't understand when they're going from you know 100 miles an hour down to zero you know it's you can't you can't let your relationships go that way it's just doesn't well, make I, sense i love the moments too where she's um she's at home watch you know and she's just watching like for snippets of him on the news and she kind of sees him and like you know knows how affected he must be by all of this and she's just worried about him you know 
more than anything. And I, I just thought that was sweet and I did love and natural. When the, when the FBI agent brought the letter and then she's, yeah. like, and she's talking about the letter and she says, this is a good one. Yeah. And, and she's like, I don't think she's just talking about the letter. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, aw. Yeah. I liked all of that. Um, so well done. I, I was very, I was very happy with everything about the ending. I thought it was great. Um, I mean, it was kind of a bonkers ending. I mean, and for it to be like that big of a huge deal. Especially this book is, it it did start off slow for me. Like I said, I had a hard time kind of connecting to her in the beginning and it is more of a, a slower burn in the beginning. But then I told mom last night, I'm like, it's going to pick up a little bit towards the end. I, you'll, you'll know it when you, when you hit it. I was still um, reading till three in the morning, but I, did, I did, yeah. I did get it done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought, I thought it was all, yeah, I thought it was all handled really well. Um, okay. Let's talk about sex, baby. I have to say, <laughs> I liked the way it was done in this book. Can I yeah. can I say that without it? It's pretty it hot pretty? and so informative. Well, just the whole thing. He's like, okay, tell me what. Tell me what to yeah. do. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. Well, I like that they have a conversation when they're about to jump into things where she's just like, heads up. This does not always go very well for me. Um, you know, and sometimes I, I, I don't get there. And he's like, okay, tell me what you like. What, what, what's working? What's not working? Let's, let's figure this out. You tell me. What, what, what should I be doing? And, and he's, his memory is such that he remembers every little thing she says and does. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was hot. And, yeah. um, and I liked it. And then we knew that they had a lot more sex, but we, it, it didn't always have to be described to us. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that as well. Well, and because like the two main sex scenes that we get are the the first one uh-huh. where they have that conversation, and then the second one where um, they're at his parents' house, ooh, yeah. um, and uh, they kind of say like we're not going to talk about things because they're kind of at this point where it's like, what are we doing here? If you're going to leave, like yeah, because she thinks he's next? leaving New York because he said he, he hates New York and he wants to get out of there, but mostly he hated it because he was under such pressure at his job yeah um and so they they have this like where they where they're not allowed to speak kind of thing because they're always playing these quote-unquote games um but that sex scene is still like a very pivotal moment for their like relationship romance and relationship she even says she says something changed that night and yeah well and that's kind of that's kind of where you start to get the sense that she's allowing herself to consider the the cursive l word yeah. you know well, she even said she said this isn't like anymore <laughs> yeah um so yeah so we love um we love uh, intentional sex scenes that you know have more going on to them and i thought both of these were great and yes, hot and uh again touching on subjects that i don't always think get brought up, you know, in, in the romance books. So again, well done. Um, okay, mom, what was your swooniest moment? Okay. Ellen, Ellen was fretting that I was going to pick the same one as her. Cause there were several that could have been good, that were good. There was a lot in this one. I will This say is that. the one that the first time 
I rubbed my hands together and I was like, <laughs> just so it's the first one. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the only one because there were several. Yeah, there were, um, yeah. But when she's explaining uh, about Sibby and the problems that she's been having with Sibby and, yeah. and he was saying, I think I know where this one's going. <laughs> he was saying, she says, I don't think she wants to be my friend anymore. And he said, of course she does. It, anyone would want to be your friend. And she says, even you? And he says, even me. Um, and then he adds quietly, the most perfect special fragment, the one I know I'll be drawing for days and days, especially me. Yeah. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there, were, there was good ones. Okay, the one that I picked is, um, and I have a quote for it, um, is his little speech that he gives when he's drunk. Oh, that was a good one too. <laughs> when he kind of first reveals how he feels about her. And he says, um, if I did, I would say that last week I watched every video you've got on your website so I could hear the sound of your voice again. I would say that a woman stood next to me on the subway and I think she used the same shampoo as you. And I could hardly breathe for how much I missed you. I would say that I walked around all day with a makeshift shadow beside me and I only came in here because of the signs outside. And so I wouldn't call you up at nine o'clock on a Friday night and beg you to talk to me again about Frisbee, the weather, the name of that piece for that piece of a letter you told me about. And, and then I like it because she had come in like ready to fight with him. And she's like, holy shit, this is the best fight of my whole life. <laughs> this is awesome. I fight like this more often. And um, yeah, so I just, I liked that speech. Um, uh, we Honorable mention to his letter, which I thought oh, which had, was, very good. was rife with swoony moments. And um, I also love that in the letter and then the conversation that they have afterwards, you know, she's like, she's like, well, what about New York? You know, you hate it here. And he's like, no, I love it here because you're, you're here. here. And I love, you know, all the, all the coordinates that he sent her. He's like, I love each and every single one of those places because of the memories that, you know, we've made there. And I, I think so I haven't lived in New York. And honestly, when they were describing a lot of New York, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to live there either. Um, <laughs> but I did, it did really resonate because I have lived in a few different big cities now. Um, and like when I moved to LA, I did not, I still, there's, I mean, I don't want to go back to LA is the long and short of it. But um, like, I, all those places that I've lived will always have a special place in my heart because of, you know, the pupusa stand that we would go to that was in the middle of <laughs> this sketchy part of LA, you know, and just like, just things like that. It's not places themselves, but it's the moments you have in well, them, I yeah, think. Yeah, the memories that you have from different places. And, yeah, you know, the, the memories of things that were going on in your life at the time that were good. And yeah, so yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like every place I've lived, I moved from for a reason, I would say, but I have, I have things about them all that I love and they're all around memories, you know, as opposed to a specific place and what it means. So, um, yeah, so, uh, let's hear what 
some of, some other people. We we have I would say the response on this one is over what is is mostly positive, but it was a bit of a mixed bag, which I found interesting. Um, so two right off the beginning, Emily says, I wanted to like it, but it was hard for me to get into. But then again, most books are hard for me lately. Um, yeah, I've, I've got some of that going on myself. Um, Kathy says, I didn't get all the hype and I couldn't figure out why these two people were interested in each other, but also I love forced proximity. So maybe I'm just not used to people choosing to socialize. Ha <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's good. Um, Okay, and then we get into Lori, who says, I really enjoyed Kate Claiborne's Chance of a Lifetime series, so I was very excited for this book's release and listened to it when it dropped back in January. I liked it a lot, pretty close to a love. I found the premise to be unusual and intriguing and was surprised by the sweetness of the overall story. Maybe sweetness isn't the right word, but I'm not sure what adjective fits better. I really liked Reed and his, with his reserved nature and polished manners. And while Meg had some issues, I appreciated that she wasn't wallowing in them. She was making an effort to learn from her past mistakes. I really liked how the big blow up didn't truly keep them apart. Sure, Meg had a few doubts, but she recognized that Reed had been in an impossible situation and she chose not to assume the worst. And that letter he wrote, swoon. Um, Elizabeth, who was a huge proponent for the book, um, she said, this was the best book I've read in a really long time. The language was just so clever and the voice incredibly unique. I tend to gravitate more towards women's fiction than romance. So maybe that's why I fell so hard for this one. Yeah, this one definitely felt more chick litty than straight romance, I would say. Um... Elizabeth continues, the struggles Meg had with her best friend felt so real and relatable and the romance with my new favorite grumpy hero left me quite <laughs> enchanted. Um, she puts quite in, you know, in emphasis. Um, she says the writing style made this feel like a fairy tale story of New York city, but still grounded in reality. Yeah, that's true. Um, Catherine says, I agree that I also found it unusual while also following the conventions I need in romance. I didn't see the conflict coming at all. So there, yeah. I thought I was really surprised by the conflict. Um, Cassie says, I really liked the middle section of this book when Meg and Reed were starting their relationship and falling in love. The first time Meg and Reed are intimate, Meg's blunt discussion of what works for her was refreshing and reasonable and enjoyable to see in a novel. But the first part of the story was very slow for me. And the last part of the story turned into some odd conspiracy intrigue storyline that seemed out of place and didn't hold my attention whatsoever. Interesting. Uh, she said, I think this story also would have benefited from a dual POV. It was tiring being inside Meg's head the whole time. I also desperately wanted Meg to kill and bury her friendship with Sibby. It was unhealthy and the resolution to their relationship was unrealistic. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would just kill and bury, but I'm, I'm glad that they were able to work too. it out. Um, also, the dual POV thing, I think it would have ruined the you know, big surprise at the end. The... Yeah, that's, well, that's true. Um, Amy said that it's her favorite read of 2020 so far, and she posted a picture of a pillow that she knitted or crocheted that says swoonch on it which i thought oh, was cute that is cute um 
Kristen says, I adored this book. 4.5 swoonshy stars for me. I laughed a lot at Meg's inner dialogue and I literally felt like I was seeing New York through her eyes every time she and Reed went out sign searching. The writing is superbly done. It made me want to analyze every sign I see. Yeah. I loved how whimsical it felt at times and wouldn't have ever predicted the twist to be what it was, although I guess that's the point of a twist. I appreciate that this book also acknowledged the growing pains we sometimes face in our friendships. I seem to automatically love heroes named Reed, and this one was no exception. I also couldn't help but wonder if there was a little nod to Penny Reed's Winston Brothers series. I think around when Meg first meets Reed's family, she mentioned something about a bunch of bearded brothers. I wish I'd highlighted the exact quote. I don't think she mentions bearded, but seven brothers. and Seven brothers, yeah, and a sister. Yeah. Um, no, there's seven kids, six brothers and a sister. Yeah, I think the growing pains in a friendship thing, I think I liked that a lot too because when, um, when I was graduating from high school, I was getting ready to go to college and my best friend and I were going to live together. And everybody that we talked to was like, no, that's like cardinal, cardinal rule number one is you don't live with a friend from high school like in college and we were like well we think we'll be okay and sure enough we were but and you um, did it for all four years and we did it for <laughs> all four years and we still like each other quite a lot um but yeah i mean it's a it's a pretty common thing that friends tend to grow in separate directions as they kind of a- approach that phase of life so um Jess, no, yes, Jen said, I love this book. It's so creative and beautifully written. The creativity with the hidden messages and the way Meg describes how she sees letters forming in her head, the game playing and how Reed describes seeing patterns. I loved it all. I bonded with Meg with her big purse that contained random items (laughs) and the way she thinks tea tastes like dirt. (laughs) It's an acquired taste, that's for sure. Um... Triple Take Reed was so sweet. He spoke the truth and was a great listener. I loved how his directness was exactly what Meg needed to learn as she always tried to keep things on the surface. His letter at the end of the story made me swoonch. Can I just point out while I'm thinking about it? Um, yes. Him helping her through when she's got her period. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> Somebody, there's a comment, I think a little bit further down that mentions that too. But yeah, that one, that is, that's, that's the man that knows how to do it right. That's for sure. <laughs> um, Jessica said, I read this book a couple months ago and I liked it. The thing that I remember the most is that the book was a charming ode or love letter, if you will, to New York City. The book fell short of a love for me though, because I thought the beginning was a bit too slow and I did not like the twist slash surprise at the end. I also think this is a book where I would have loved a dual PO, uh, point of view so we could see Reed's thoughts. Of course, this would have taken away the twist slash surprise from the reader. Also, maybe it is just me, but I was not a fan of the whole conflict and apparent resolution between Meg and Sibby. So interesting that there's some like polarizing. I love that part. I love, I think this is one of the best conflicts I've read in a long time. Yeah. Um, Aaron said, really loved this one. I thought Meg was great and I loved her way of looking at NY and how she created a life anew for herself, especially considering her parents passive aggressive relationship and what what had to make for a toxic childhood yeah for sure uh she said i loved reed he gave me buttoned up joshua templeman vibes and i am here for it yes i'm (laughs) always there for that 
Um, I especially loved his drunken declaration at the bar and how he said um, he missed her and that he walked around all day with a makeshift shadow beside him. Sigh. I know everyone may not agree, but I appreciated the Meg Sibby aspect of the story. I don't think this aspect of a female friendship is something you see a lot of in a romance and a lot and a loss like that can be especially heartbreaking. I felt sad for both Meg and Sibby. I know this will be a reread for me. Um, and thank, and so thanks for picking this one. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm very happy with this one being one that we read. Um, Natalie says, I don't think I'm going to finish this in time, but I am liking it so far. The writing is lyrical and beautiful and the friendship troubles with Sibby really struck a chord with me and feels realistic. Um, Karen says, I didn't think I would get to read along since all my local libraries are closed due to the pandemic, but my librarian dropped it off on my doorstep. What a legend. Yeah. Yeah. What a legend. Wow. That's (laughs) amazing. Yeah. Um, I hope you like gave her cookies or something. Cause that's amazing. Uh, I'm just up to the part where Meg has her period and Reed is being sweet and tells her anyone would want to be her friend. Maybe a contender for swooniest moment. I'll have to keep reading. <laughs> um, that was my yeah. swooniest moment. Yeah, it was. Um, and then finally, Allison says, I wasn't sure I was going to like this book when I started as it was really slow and I wasn't even sure it was going to be a romance. I got past the in your head stuff and the mess that Meg was and really enjoyed the rest of the book. I found Reed to be quite swoony, a quiet guy who can throw a punch and curse at the right moment. Perfect. (laughs) Um, yeah, that was all very good. Um, mom, any final thoughts on this one? No, I think we've said it all. I loved. I would like to point out that, like I was saying before, we talked about the conflict. When he reads the word mistake in the program, that mm-hmm. he, he had all this job stuff going on in his head as well. And so it, he, you know, it kind of came at he him. He was from, reading it many different ways. Yeah, from lots of different angles. So yeah. um, I, and then her whole take on, or his whole take on the word mistake, where he was talking about how, you know, people mis- mistook me for, you know, this yeah. kind of person. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, it was, it was really, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. She does a lot of interesting things with like words and, and, um, you know, another, uh, another huge thing in the book is signs and like him needing a sign to stay in New York and her needing a sign to, you know, Right. Be his friend and things like that. Well, and, how, and when she found his card, she thought that was a sign that she should contact yeah. him. And... Yeah. And um, and especially as the conflict comes about and the twist, um, you realize that, you know, he was even getting more signs than we realized, like you right. said. And, um, and especially with a book that is very prominently features signs, you know, yeah. them physical signs. Um I, I really loved her kind of dual use of signs and mistakes and right. she, fights and things like that. She used words more than one way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I really loved this one. I'm going to go on a really love now. I'm going to go, but I love this one as well, Alan. I yeah. thought it was a great read and yeah. um, it was a great coronavirus read because it was just a sweet, fun escapes from sweet fun but also like made me think a lot more about lots of different things and um so like very insightful and like i felt like a very worthy read as well so definitely 
Um, okay, so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne. We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Not Your Mom's Facebook group, our Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Not Your Mom's Rom, or you can email us at NotYourMom'sRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. I'll also say that we're going to try and do this new thing where you guys can send in audio recordings of your thoughts on books and things like that. Um... I'll try and post more about that on social medias and stuff, but look out for stuff about that. Um, I think it will be a fun component to add to the show. I think Ellen's tired of hearing her own voice on yes, the Yes, I am. All the time. <laughs> tired of reading, especially now that we're getting more and more reader, you know, comments. listener comments, which I think is great, but um, I'm tired of reading them. So, so if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, um, audio or otherwise or if you'd like to just a book for us to read we'd love to hear from you on april 20th we will be reading and discussing kiss an angel by susan elizabeth phillips um remember you can subscribe on itunes google play stitcher spotify and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show and we just love to read them <sighs> all right <laughs> thanks mom you're welcome ellen see ya bye not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.